Jill, ask them what they think about Supervillain. That sounds better to me. More exciting. Do you prefer saving America? How about saving the world? Nope. It's saving America. This is Paul with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. And we are here to round out your opening night's coverage of The Boys' second season. Uh, this episode was called over the hill with the swords of a thousand men. <laughs> I had to look up the reference and I got two things. Probably the the clearest connection was that this was the name of a boy's comic book issue. Okay. Yeah, that's um, probably spot on. <laughs> yeah. The weird thing is that I read the description and the description doesn't seem to have anything to do with this plot. Oh, weird. It just seemed like a cool name. Uh, but I might be wrong. There might be some boys fans out there who like, well, they borrowed some of the plot, but um, the rest of it didn't sound very close at all. Um, the other stuff that I found was that there was like an old 80s kind of a pop punk type song called The Swords of a Thousand Men. well that might tie in because of the billy joel thing maybe that may be right because it's this similar era you know those songs would have been out they wouldn't have been on the radio at the same time (laughs) but (laughs) but uh they were out in the same kind of era are you old enough to, to to have been uh listening to the radio when billy joel was the thing well, I was born in 88, so I would have got it in the, in the, in, I, I did listen to the radio all my childhood. Um, I even would, you know, where you had to wait for your song to come on to record it on, on cassette tape. Okay. <laughs> um, but then like they, I think I would have probably heard it on like one of those eighties nights or whatever, the flashback, the, when they would play all those old ones. So I listened to a lot of eighties stuff. So then you're not out of the loop on Billy Joel. I mean, no, <laughs> he was definitely a thing, but he was never my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about this because we're we're mentioning Huey's compulsive need to watch this video of a Billy Joel song. Uh, He says the name of it is You're Only Human. Is that that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, it's in that typical Billy Joel style. It's all his that's just like completely out of fashion today. It's um, quirky 80s video stuff. I'm glad he explained it because it was starting to look like he was going insane. Yeah, it did. And I I wasn't really um, clear on it either when we saw it in the second episode, I think. And um, I I was like, okay, this is just something. Because, you know, nowadays, I think it's funny. I mean, even when I was growing up, 80s was retro, but not as it was still familiar because it it was only the decade before. Um, And then now it's like it's weird to think that's like 40 years ago or something. Um, and so it is actually retro. Um, and so it's funny now the trend in a bunch of different TV shows, not just this one, um, is to kind of go back to that era. Cause it's the eighties is just an awesome era. I love it so much. And I was like, Oh, maybe they're trying to play in, in that kind of realm. Um, but then when he explained it at the very beginning and it opened with the Billy Joel video, but it was also sad when he explained it. Cause it was like that Billy Joel and that song is basically, um, trying to talk this guy to committing suicide or jumping off a bridge. And and he was like, I'm right. I was right. I'm right there. <laughs> and that's why he was relating to it. And then talking about second wind and that um, 
Starlight is basically the thing that he keeps thinking of to bring him back, I guess, as the Billy Joel of the video, the Starlight. But yeah, it was kind of a very odd connection, but I kind of dig it. I like that. It was a little weird. Let's cover Starlight after we, we kind of cover uh, finish covering Huey, because that idea of her being his Billy Joel and, and, <laughs> and all that is a big fat question mark with the way the whole episode goes down outside of his head, right? In reality. Yeah. But a couple of plot points with, with Huey. Remember last episode, I had questioned whether or not he should have gotten back in the van with Billy. And that idea of him not really being on the same page as Billy is continued into this episode. But ultimately he does end up accepting Billy's hand at the very end of the episode. He, <laughs> Billy reaches out and he finally takes his, his hand. Do you think that this is like acceptance that, okay, uh, Billy's obviously the leader of this group. I, I may, I may still get to be Harry Potter, but Harry Potter didn't turn out to be the leader. Exactly. He was yeah. just the one that could beat Voldemort, but that didn't make him the leader. Yeah. And I guess in this sense, it's like maybe he, by being um, normal is <laughs> like, like the anti-Harry Potter, but that maybe he'll be the one to kind of have that outside perspective. I don't know what how his story is going to end, but yeah. Yeah, it's weird because I think, I, I really hope this set up um, sort of maybe a segue for Billy and Huey to maybe come to... Well, move on in some way. Yeah. And um, I think, I mean, they're get, trying to get to the same goal. It's just like they have very different methods. And also Billy has his objective of wanting to get back to his wife. Um, so he is like, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And, but he has like that tough guy kind of mentality as well. And, and ultimately like mother's milk tells Billy and in reference to Huey, like, Hey, <laughs> you need to give him a break. Like he's literally on the edge and, you know, pull him back. And Billy doesn't want to do that and then we see Huey just like lingering about but I don't know I think I think it is nice to kind of see it end on that and that note um I know we have a lot to discuss in between of how yeah. they got to that point but yeah I think overall though he, it, it's nice seeing Huey because like in the first two episodes it's just like Huey kind of doing what he does complain and just like be outraged be grumpy and for good reason I mean he doesn't have anything else right he said that but it's nice to see them come together and then it felt like the ending to this episode and throughout this episode really felt like a good closer and like a lead off. Like we were talking about how we were missing that in the first episode of like it being the season opener. And I feel like this one finally did that. In kind of spectacular fashion. It, it's clear though with Huey's actions in this episode that, I mean, he just can't survive in this world without a Billy helping him along the way. He came to that conclusion, right? I think is what it was like the realization you could tell in his eyes, like, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I need this guy. I need this team in so many other ways, not just physically to stay alive, but I think emotionally, mentally, everything. I mean, he may be a balance for Billy in some ways in terms of like, you know, throwing out the life preserver for maybe the helicopter pilots that might have survived the crash. But overall, though, Billy's hard attitude you know, it may be tough to, to live with, and you, you're certainly not going to get any praise as demonstrated in this episode, even when you kind of accomplish one of the key goals yeah. <laughs> that your group is trying to do. But at the end of the day, though, he that toughness, that hardness is what's going to see them through the actual tough shit that's coming their way. 
Huey is not in tune yet with the way that he needs to make decisions in order to survive. Like one plot point that I wanted to bring up with you was when he calls Annie. I was so mad when he was calling Annie for like a long duration. I was like, dude. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't know it, but we know that A-Train knows where that goddamn phone is. You know? Yeah. Doesn't it seem a lot like we're going to hear that message played back at like a meeting in Vought Tower on all the speakers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, to me, like, it's just like, it's so funny because I think we as viewers have been conditioned to know these plot points, right? So we, it kind of single signals to us like, oh, shit's going to go down sometime either now or later. Um, And it's funny that the characters don't know that, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's like, haven't you watched in your own like weird TV (laughs) reality, you know, like the fact that like you're not supposed to do that. Right. Um, and so it, in that sense, it makes me a little mad. But then it's also, I think just Huey, like we had mentioned in our other episode, he represents us. Like, yes, we're watching TV and think we would be superstars or whatever, but we'd probably be doing the same thing, right? And if he doesn't have anything else and he just learned that she actually did it and she got V to, you know, like to to expose Vought, I think he would want to celebrate. Maybe he felt like he was just like loosening up a little bit, but I don't know. It, it was just like a silly character, like a bad decision where I think, yeah, you're right. He, I, I think he maybe is starting to realize that he wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for the boys, you know? And um, although he doesn't like the methods, I think he's going to have to really start thinking like Billy. I mean, I don't, I don't really know all the rules on how to be a successful criminal, but I'm pretty sure leaving a message on a burner phone is not good yeah i'm pretty sure that's like in the in at least like the pamphlet of of how to be a bad guy (laughs) (laughs) right get a burner phone and then like a sub bullet would be but don't leave messages on it (laughs) yeah huey you know what i keep reminding i I don't know if they did this on purpose or it's the comic books but i keep thinking of huey dewey and louie and like how all those names just like from the from the was it Ducktales, yeah, and, and although they were like, I think smart. I can't remember the exact character, but for me, it just sounds like silly. And so I just think of like, oh, Huey, Dewey, Louie. Like, <laughs> I just keep thinking of that every time like Huey does something silly. <laughs> I think you're supposed to. Uh, I, I think yeah. I think they picked that name to conjure up. Maybe maybe in other places in the world, you might find Hueys that are mountainous type, you know, uh, manly, masculine examples of humanity, but our Hueys, not so much. We don't really, we we don't, we think maybe librarians. um. (laughs) Yeah. And anything ending in IE in a name, it's just kind of cutesy. Right. Right. Yeah. So any, you know, it would be like Hugh Jackman. Obviously he's not Huey. (laughs) Exactly right. So yeah, <laughs> game set and match. You you got that one in one one go. I wanted to go to Annie next because she really doesn't have much plot. Or we could keep going with other boys. What do you want to do? Well, I actually want to point out a scene between Annie and A Train. All right, let's do it. Because it, it was one of the themes of the show that like is just pointing out in terms of like real life kind of stuff and that they're pulling from. So when V is um. When it's exposed, the the truth about superheroes and the fact that they are not born and they're made and all that. And then um, she's, I think she's checking her phone or something. I don't know what she's doing. And then A-Train um, swoops in and, and confronts her. And it's like, hey, you're not supposed to fuck with the money, right? Mm-hmm. And 
then of course Annie's saying something like, oh no, for the greater good, whatever. Who cares about money? And then A-Train says, the only people who say that are people who grew up with money. And Mm -hmm. that left Annie, like it ends with her just like looking like, oh fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like kind of like, like she thinks, I think she was thinking that A-Train was like this just, I mean, obviously he's killed his girlfriend and all that and blah, blah. But I think it just made her think a little bit on like, oh yeah, doing this is not necessarily going to be good for everyone. It's like, and that's what A Train alluded to is like, hey, like you're just thinking of your own shit, and yeah, it might be good, but this is reality. And you can, I guess, from that statement, he probably didn't grow up with wealth, and the fact that this is all he has makes you realize why he is doing the things he does and why he loves being a soup and all that kind of thing, right? And so I thought that was just like a really good moment for both of them because she thinks she won in some way and then he kind of told her like what it was, like what the reality is because she's kind of naive in some ways. That's a good point. I mean, these people have had this done to them. It's a small group, obviously. Uh, you can't have a, a jillion superheroes, probably maybe have a hundred superheroes or something like that. But still this was done to them and then there's all those minor superheroes that aren't actually heroes but they still have the powers that Mm -hmm. aren't quite as useful like gecko or whatever and you have that group that if this expose goes down the wrong way and their ability to support themselves goes away then what have you done to this group that didn't actually ask for it yes they were being exploited but at least they can make a living while they were doing it you know, yeah. what did you do to them? That's not part of the plan. It was only just bringing down Vought. Vought was the thing. And, and you know, changing the way Vought has to work, that's 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 a good goal. But destroying it, maybe that was further reaching than, than they had in mind. Yeah, I think it just brought her down from her high horse of doing what she thought is like the ultimate greater good to being like, uh, that's not going to be good. It's like that thing, right? It's not good for everybody. <laughs> yeah. By exposing the bad. Right. Like if you, if you dig very deep into say like the books or the comics that go along with say something like Star Wars, right? Where we're told to be anti-empire. We hate the empire. The empire's shit. But it turns out like there's actually people that aren't bad that are just citizens of the empire. <laughs> <laughs> and the people that we watched in the movies just destroyed their government. That was working fine for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the same sort of thing that, that we're seeing here. Um, there's all those minor heroes like, I don't know if Eagle counts as being a good guy, but at least he's he's in the in the fold, right? He's he's part of the Vought family just stationed in Cleveland. Yeah. And Stormfront came from Portland. And Portland's not a very big city. I wonder what the threshold is to get your own hero. Yeah, I don't know. I think it just I think that's why one of the reasons why I like this series is because good and bad, it's not black and white. <laughs> no, for sure. Very modeled and depending on the perspective, it, it can change and that's different from our normal, I guess, superhero movies like the Marvels and DCs. Like there is a clear cut like this is bad. And I, I think that's why this one is um like even myself, I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know? Yeah. And, so it makes you just, it, it's its a different, and it reflects society in that sense. So I, I like that. Speaking of Annie, she doesn't have much to do in this episode except for what you just mentioned and toward the end when I think she was about to kill Huey. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I was thinking about that because I, I, I'm still a little confused on all the powers exactly because um, I don't know if we've seen everything 
But I was hoping that it was going to be something where she um, maybe would like miss, but it looked like she would build such a distraction that he could get away or something. But yeah, I think she was maybe going to do something, <laughs> maybe try to like wound him so it can. And then maybe like, hey, he would just like stay down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, we've only seen her really let loose with her powers once. Yeah, that doesn't bode well for Huey, right? Because if she had to decide, ugh, like, I guess she was going to choose herself in that well i mean homelander was right there and i mean i think when he said you don't kill him i'll kill you both that seemed like a guarantee to me that didn't didn't seem very iffy on how that was going to go down put her in a tough spot because i don't think she can beat homelander she doesn't think she can beat homelander which is probably more important yeah i think so and i think huey like he closed his eyes he kind of was like oh well i get it you know just do it and i think at that point too um, everything <laughs> um, being stuck in that whale and everything else. I think he's just he was just tired and I don't even think he had any fight in him. So I think he would have welcomed being lasered by his girlfriend, which would have been funny. I think it would have been to him probably would have just been like the cherry on top of like what he's been through. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. He was he was definitely the walking dead <laughs> at that yeah. moment. Just really had the, the stuffing walloped out of him with that crash in the whale and just I'm sure his outlook on on reality was was just cloudy you know his head was was not in it no <laughs> you mentioned a train so we had mentioned uh, that we didn't know how he got better and was it maybe part of his powers or something else I'm starting to think it's something else because he is not better he's not ready yet I kind of think this heart attack stuff is going to bring him down for good. Uh, It's just a matter of time. What do you think? It seems like someone did something to him uh, to bring him back. And that also makes me wonder, um, because, you know, now that we know that superheroes can be made or we knew that, but I guess in maybe in the rules of this world, it's not that easy because I think in, in when we heard the segment of the news, it was like, oh, if not done properly, it can cause like anxiety and like they they listed out these side effects, right? So basically like they had to be done in a where the parents were involved. So it could be kind of like I guess a slow, like a slow um what like injection period of like them just thinking that they were um superheroes or something. So it can be a, a better adjustment for the kids. And so that makes me w- wonder if like there isn't an infinite amount of superheroes, right? Because then if they did bring back A-Train, that means he is an asset that they don't want to just like die. They didn't want to let die. And so they're going to do anything in their in their power to bring the, him back and possibly the others too, if that were to happen to them. So if that's the case, that makes me excited because then that means it's not just like, oh, we got V and we can go and make all these superheroes. Maybe the ones that are part of the seven are are special in a in a way, and maybe they just maybe that's why he he got brought back. That's a good perspective because, like we learned with Kimiko and her brother, the I think they called it the shining light. Whoever that is gave them the V, and it took with them, and they gave it to him because it took with her to some mm-hmm. extent. She doesn't yeah. seem to be quite. She doesn't actually seem to be very powerful at all. Just she could beat up a normal human, any normal human, but she doesn't seem actually that good against other super <laughs> super people. Um, but anyway, that kind of gives you the idea that they might have whoever Shining Light was, they gave that stuff to a bunch of people, and it didn't work on very many. 
And so I, you're probably right that there might be some people out there with major problems for being or just dead from being exposed to V. And the idea that they had one that is in the seven, meaning to me, if you make it to the seven, that's probably like you are considered like a world class, whatever it is that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you do it in such a way that it that it can be very flashy and can fight crime as part of this team, supposedly. Like in the first season that he used uh, V to, to kind of jack himself up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe kind of like in uh, in like cop and crime movies, how, you know, they'll have someone on a hospital bed and be like, I got to ask him questions. And the doctor will, will be like, no. And then he'll say, no, I really got to ask him some questions. And then they give him like like an EpiPen or something like that. And he, and he wakes up. Uh, maybe they use V in that same kind of way to get him going again or something like that. Because I just don't think he woke up naturally. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, he was comatose. And how many times has that happened before? We just met them whenever this happened um, in the first season. And but right. there was he was in it before we met him. So I wonder how many times they've done this to him, and maybe he doesn't even realize it. But yeah, that's going to be interesting because I, I guess that's just like a ticking time bomb of like whether it's going to be it for him. <laughs> so um, maybe he has a shelf life now. I don't know if you um, have ever read a Batman comic, but you know Batman isn't powered. He's just mm-hmm. super, you know, he's not super anything. He's he's just well-trained. And um, sometimes in those comics, they will jump ahead in time to show, well, what if Batman gets old? What if Batman this? What if Batman that? And that's a recurring idea is that Bruce Wayne is so rich that he can keep propping up his body to match whatever damage he's ultimately dealt. Eventually, the suit basically becomes kind of like an Iron Man suit <laughs> because he can barely move anymore, uh, but he still wants to be be Batman. So that that concept of taking a hero and not letting him die is a tried and true one. That made me excited. I think that that realization, because I hadn't really thought about it before, just because of being so um, with all the other properties outside of the boys, I was just like, oh, there's going to be more superhero, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, wait, like this is more of a reality based kind of thing. So it's not infinite, which is more exciting as a TV, you know, as a viewer watching the show, because that means there's going to be some casualties. So when Annie uh, releases the news about V, I was a little surprised at the reaction of all the other seven. Homelander was mad just because he didn't know. but the others were mad because they'd been lied to and this was done to them by their parents. Yeah. Queen Maeve isn't happy with her dad. Um, Black Noir is is crying in the hall. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, The Deep is also upset. I mean, he we know about his body issues. The idea that his parents did that to him and that that was the result. And plus he has like the telepathy with fish that, that mm-hmm. kind of sounds like feels their pain it might have been part of what kind of drove him a little batty you know is just that if you constantly hear a species suffering um what's it, <laughs> what's it gonna do to the way that you interact with everybody else yeah that was interesting to hear that yeah that was surprising to see some of those reactions especially like black noir who's just like we don't even know who he, who he is or she or i don't know if they've said what gender but I don't know. That was like a very like painful. I think I think maybe it's like knowing that there was a choice and like the deep set. I think he said it very well where he was just like, I could have been normal is what he said. 
and all the pain that he feels is because of the superhero uh, part of him, like the fact that he has those gills and he's um, expected to be somebody, you know, like kind of like a celebrity type. So he can't be himself. And so he's had to create the facade of being so, um, uh, you know, I guess the douchey thing just so he doesn't get hurt by people or by women. And I don't know. I think, I think that really, um, that would mess with you. Mm hmm just finding that out, like knowing your whole life was a lie. And the fact that your parents did that, it wasn't like you were stolen and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, kept in a lab, like your parents willingly did that to you. So I think that would even be like another layer to that whole thing. Well, and it's an interesting place to put the audience because, you know, as people from this earth and people that are interested in watching comic book related entertainment there's a certain percentage of us that would be like do you want superpowers a lot of us would say yes <laughs> yeah. yes yes i do and here we see these people that have the superpowers and they're like no this i i would rather have not but thank you cuz you don't know what you're going to get apparently you look at black noir he wears that suit or she or they wear that suit suggesting that whatever's under that suit is not presentable in a way yeah. that they want to deal with and and they don't talk so when you're first watching the boys and you see black noir you kind of get this like snake eyes darth yeah. maul sort of vibe from the guy like like this is i'm just going to keep using a, a masculine pronoun just that's i'm sorry this is the way it's going to go yeah. uh, but you get that vibe from like like that's just a badass character and there's a lot going on there and you and that's awesome but then you find out He'd rather not be this way. This is this is a side effect of something done to him, and and he's not happy about it. That's an interesting twist to put on this. It's a, it's a deeper twist than I was anticipating this quickly into the show. Yeah, I thought the expose of V would be a much longer wait. And so I actually was pleasantly surprised. But I think the fact that we were kind of like, oh, the first, second episode and then we realized um, that this was like, you know, that it's meant to be the three all at once. This very much felt like, okay, this is the thing that we were waiting for uh, a big reveal, um, the action stuff in the first, um, like a premiere episode, but it was a big one and I liked it. I am glad we're not gonna have to wait like an eight episode arc for it either. <laughs> um, and then it also makes it more exciting because it's like, oh, if this was like a big deal, and it's already been revealed, then I'm excited to see what else is up, you know, up the boy's sleeve. Because with the reveal, um, we see Stan Edgar, who's played by Giancarlo Esposito, who he seems like very calm about the expose and uh, or the fact that he, you know, it's revealed. And, and um, that made me wonder whether he was playing cool, trying to not like, you know, um, do it or he kind of expected it. And it's like part of the long game of the season, whatever he's doing. That brings me to a point that I wanted to talk about relating to Stormfront because yeah. <laughs> she's introduced to the team outside of Ashley and Homelander's jurisdiction. Someone higher up brought her into the team in a way that was like indisputable. I can only assume that's Mr. Edgar. When we see her finally get to operate, in this episode, it makes me wonder why she was brought on the team. And I'm starting to think she was brought on the team to directly challenge and possibly beat Homelander. Oh, man. I, this just set up a, what, I think there's only eight episodes. So, and 
episode eight finale with Stormfront and Homelander. And all I was thinking, though, <laughs> when when she took over that mission and she was gung ho and she was like, yeah, and then she was doing her thing and ruthless, just like Homelander would be. Yes. Um, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, this is awesome. But I was like, this is not going to be awesome for you because Homelander always gets his revenge. <laughs> Um, and I was like, it is either going to be like, you're going to take him down or like, he's the main part of the show. So I don't know if they would take him down, but who knows? TV landscape is so different now. But, um, I was thinking the Homelander battle of taking Stormfront down. I want to see that. <laughs> it's going to be epic. I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of potential there. He had that crazy look in his eye, like, like, bitch, you did. <laughs> I told you I was gonna. I wanted that guy. You know, it was just like, ooh, yeah. Good luck, luck Stormfront. Well, and if I'm right that she was brought on by Edgar to directly challenge him, because possibly he thought that she could displace him, and really, you may be able to draw a different org chart uh, in, in like a corporate sense that someone else would lead the seven besides Homelander, but it would come down to a brawl. He wouldn't just like hand over his seat. That's why I'm thinking she has to be potentially strong enough to beat him in a fight because there's no other way that he would relinquish the chair. Yeah. And that actually brings up a, brings up a, a tie into episode two when Stormfront talks to Annie about like, hey, you can say whatever you want. You know, you're a superhero. You can't get hurt. And so maybe there's also something with that because she is so out there with whatever she wants to do and say like it looks she doesn't give a, like a fuck. Sorry. I don't know if we can curse, but I yeah, already sure. did. Yeah. Um, and so I think if you act that way, you think you're invincible. So is she real? Is she? Exactly. And I think it's a gamble. Maybe she's the right combination of things and possibly powerful enough to confront Homelander. Maybe if she even had some help from others. But ultimately, though, the way that Homelander was cooked, it, it seems like if you, you know, like it's, like you said, that is going to be a fight to watch. That is because <laughs> I think it's coming. Uh, I think I don't think how I don't see how you avoid that. I don't see them yeah. like shaking hands and being cool at some point. Yeah. And, you know, we just talked a bunch about Homelander and the love and admiration that he wants. And the fact that she not only took out the dude, uh, you know, the the brother um, that he wanted to, it was mostly he wanted to do that because he wants the love of the people knowing that he took out the soup terrorist or the supervillain, like he says. And so when she looks at him taking the spotlight from him, I was like, "Ooh, that's going to be that's bad for you, <laughs> Stormfront. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Especially after Homelander just gave that whole speech about, you know, he actually was sounding like a leader, <laughs> close to like a superhero type thing. Like, you're like, oh, I can get behind him. But you know, it's more of a villainy type thing because he he's doing it for himself. He even ignores it. Like, he's the only superhero, I think, and besides Stormfront as well, who um, takes the news like, eh, you know, because he already knows that that happened to him. Um, and he was just like, hey, we're heroes, so let's just go do this. You know, we're we're awesome. And he had no hesitation about it. I think that tells you everything. Like, that's his life. He has nothing else. No. Yeah. Well, except for Ryan, apparently. Ooh, yes. That was, that was a good part of this episode. Yeah. I was not sure if that boy was going to manifest any powers. I love how they did it, too, because I think it's exactly how we predicted, right? Of Or in the sense of, hey, what if this kid doesn't have powers? And then he's just like kills him or something and it was <laughs> right. like he just like pushed him off it was amazing and also like oh my god 
kid die and then i was like no they couldn't have done it that way so i was like okay maybe he will pop up and he did so that brings up another question of homelander was made but then he made this kid i mean you know he he's the dad of this kid so then that means they can transfer superpowers so i wonder if that's a variable that the folks who came up with v didn't did they know that you know like that brings up a whole other line of story right I wonder if if having superpowers is a if it gets written into your DNA or if it's more like a disease, right? And you just have it, but when you die, uh, or or when you procreate, it doesn't. You know, you don't transfer the the, the disease. You may transfer the propensity to get the disease, but but it seems like it's in their DNA. It does now, doesn't it? Um, yeah, especially since now we're learning more about like it doesn't take to everybody. And so I think you have to have something that mixes well with the V. So that's very, I like that. Yes, yes. But now with our question marks about his need for for love and being appreciated and kind of hoping that the built-in love that sons are supposed to have for fathers it's it's interesting now that he's, he's got this kid that doesn't appear to like him very, very much yeah. now, that he's, now that he's been thrown off the roof there's a superhero series of books that i've read that this kind of reminds me of a little bit it's a series by a an author called brandon sanderson who's more well known for writing like fantasy stuff but he wrote a ya superhero series about a a group of kind of like the boys uh, called the Reckoners. And they exist in a world where this comet passed over Earth or something. And and when it did, it left behind people that had powers. Like some people got powers and the world instantly got worse. And as you read the books, you find out that there aren't any superheroes. There are only supervillains. And the reason is the, the more that you use your powers, the more of a dick you turn into, to just kind of put it succinctly. That logic, though, it like jumped to the front of my mind when I saw like as soon as his eyes lit up, the kid kind of went like savage yeah. <laughs> on his dad there and his mom could barely hold him back. I, I wonder if there's a little bit of that in the world of the boys, too, because even very virtuous seeming characters like like Annie, maybe it's being a product of the way things actually are in that superpowered world turns them a little harder and a little colder than than they really set out to be. But I wonder if that's that's a side effect of the powers themselves. Yeah. I mean, we learned from Ryan that he's a good kid. And I think he even followed along with this dude because he, he was kind of scared for his mom and for himself. And so he's like, I'm just going to play along or whatever. But then when he's able to defend himself, you could tell like something happened. I think it did kind of take over like the power and like a hint of whatever you're talking about, of like the aggression part of it. And it's mm-hmm. not all... I don't think it's like a virtuous type thing. (laughs) And I wonder how it's going to be with him because, I mean, if he, there's a, all the superheroes um, that we know of right now are made, is Ryan the first one that's actually been born? Great question. Because if that's true, then whoever, I don't remember Dr. Park, but, but whoever Dr. Park is, I bet he's going to be really freaking interested in his development at this point, rather than keeping him hidden at his mom's house. He might need him to come in. Then all of a sudden, who's the best person and then teach this kid about his powers? Well, if you're Vought, it might be the person with the same exact powers who passed them down to you. I would hope not, but, but I could see where there'd be some, some logic like that too. I wonder if the people who have protected Becca and Ryan know 
anything about Brian's powers or they're just like kind of holding it out, you know, like um, just waiting for this to happen. I bet so. I bet that's part of how she was being kept was waiting and seeing what happens with this kid. So she may in the back of her mind already know, oh, shit. Yeah. They said if he ever manifested powers, these things were going to happen. So is she going to keep it secret? Can she? I mean, Homelander's not gonna. So uh, I think well, there's cameras in their house, so they know. (laughs) I think the cat is out of the bag. We just didn't see the the effects of it in this episode. Yeah. I like that plot line as well. Did you notice that both Homelander and uh, Billy the Butcher, to an extent, had a little bit of a parallel storylines that that went in different directions where they were both trying to rally their troops and and create loyalty that that they felt might have been lost by either speechifying like like <laughs> homelander or just or leading by example like billy with trying to save huey from homelander uh, eventually but did you notice like like they're both kind of doing that, but where Homelander is kind of losing his his grip on leadership despite trying to keep it, Billy probably got it back. Yeah, I like that. I think I, I maybe subconsciously was seeing that, but I, I hadn't thought about it until now. So yeah, there's these two leaders and they're completely different. And in some ways, I, I don't know if necessarily like there's not a clear cut winner. Like when Homelander was giving a speech, he was saying all the right things. And I was actually, I even as a viewer was like, hey, yeah, like you're a leader, you know, it feels like very <laughs> marvelly. But then you realize like, oh, it's just a bunch of shit because he just wants them to go because he needs them. You know, he needs a team to be a leader. He would prefer to be by himself, but he knows he can't do that. So he is wanting to use them. But yeah, it doesn't work because he's already done so much horrible stuff to them. <laughs> like Maeve is, oh my gosh, she was so scared of him. Like when he when he comes in, uh, when she's talking to Elena, she's like definitely not team Homelander, right? She's just trying to get by and survive. Annie is just like trying to also do the same, trying to go undetected. That is interesting. And I like that Billy, I guess this is seeing that we talked about Huey taking his hand. It's like, the start of them maybe getting back together. The boys are getting back together. Yeah. Uh, and then Homelander is losing because Stormfront's not definitely not team Homelander. <laughs> no, no. Did you have anything else about, about Homelander? I mean, he does a lot of stuff in this episode, but I think that's what it boils down to is just his grip on the team and, and his side project with his, with his son. Both plot points, like the team aspect and the Ryan, are going to be big uh, things this season. So I'm just excited to see how it unfolds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it'll be fireworks for sure. So we'll never know whether or not my guess in the last podcast about whether or not he actually had a deal with the colonel that was going to straighten everything out or not because they didn't get to deliver uh, Kimiko's brother. Yeah. I mean, the way that he had to steal the boat, which, what was it called? <laughs> My big wet dream or whatever it was. <laughs> I like when it's like, oh, a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. <laughs> or a friend is just a stranger you haven't met yet. <laughs> it kind of suggests like he was piecing this thing together, you know, one bit at a time. And, and, and so I suspected that the deal was bullshit, but we'll never know now because you know, it didn't work out. Did you hear that tidbit from the colonel? Um, when she asks Billy, hey, do you know an old soup uh, named called Liberty? 
And then Billy, Billy was like, oh, no, I don't. And then she's like, oh, okay. Um, it was like a very like small thing, but I hadn't noticed it because I watched this twice and I saw, I, I noticed that on the second time I watched it. I was like, oh, Liberty, who's this? You know, it flew right by me. Now that you mention it, I remember it. But at the moment, um, it didn't make my note sheet. But that does seem like something to keep our eye on. Liberty. I don't recall that being mentioned earlier in the in the show ever. She said old soup. So we have oh. to assume that there has been all of these prior. <laughs> well, we so know. Like older stuff. Yeah. In Mr. Edgar's presentation of uh, Va- Frederick Vaught's history, mm-hmm. we we know that he has been making some kind of superpowered people since Nazi Germany. Yeah. So it's been a long time. Yeah. So when they say old soup, just because we know that they've kind of perfected the way that they're going to make soups at this point uh, in Starlight's generation, I would guess, we know that there were soups back in World War II. They even mentioned one, and I forget the name. It was something soldier or something like that. Mm-hmm. But So we know an old soup might legit be old. Yeah. And I wonder if though if there's, like we mentioned with A-Train, like is there a shelf life? So I wonder if there's... Maybe I'm guessing, though, like probably if there were earlier soups that didn't go well or they rebelled, obviously, because they were being experimented on, that maybe they took them out, (laughs) like killed them off. But maybe some or maybe this Liberty survived all of that. That's all very interesting stuff that I hope the show gives us a little bit more on. I mean, I feel like they wouldn't have mentioned it if it's not going to be significant later. That's always something that comic books, they just don't show the idea of what happens to these superheroes uh, if they don't have some sort of immortality which most of them don't then what happens when they freaking get old you know yeah. <laughs> logan tried to show us that show us that it wasn't pretty <laughs> no, <laughs> no it sure wasn't <laughs> great movie but not not a great life for an yeah. old superhero that's for sure did you expect me to drive that boat right into that whale Oh my god, I didn't. And then when when it was like getting closer, I was like, oh my god, he's gonna drive that boat in the whale. And I was like, I was like, oh, Peter's not gonna be happy with that. Um, but I was just like, in, in the TV show, like I wouldn't want that to happen in real life uh, to a whale. But I was like, well, you you gotta. It's like the perfect way to stop your boat. Yeah. Um, in that sense, and I was just like, oh my goodness, like. I thought it was hilarious. Like I thought it was just like this is like peak boys that I love so much, and I love that they were inside the whale. I love that Huey was just like just leave me here. Like I like just covered in blood again. I haven't counted in the first season, but it's already what three episodes he's been covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I love that, and like I love seeing like the weird gooeyness of it. It was just cool. It was like it was awesome. I mean, Billy's the same guy that used uh, an infant as a laser gun. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I guess if there's a if there's a whale in the way, he's going through that whale. <laughs> this is yeah, the, is the punchline. One more point about about Billy, and then then let's do the deep. Okay, he steps in to save Huey, even though getting Homelander's attention to over to where he was put the entire team in jeopardy. It wasn't just him over there and it was everybody was over <laughs> there, you know, and was it that he was counting on Kimiko's brother to save his ass or was it just, I'm not going to let you take out Huey without trying something. 
Well, I think that's the difference between the two sides, right? I think if it had been Homelander, he would have definitely not said anything. He would have just let whoever kill whoever, right? And I think that differentiates Billy, even though Billy, he exudes like, oh, no, I'm tough. And I don't care about that little, you know, I don't care about the kid, which I mean, just two seconds earlier, Mother's Milk had been telling him that um, Huey is your canary. And that's what make that's when you know, you've gone too far if you let something bad happen to him. And then two seconds later, Homelander's asking Starlight to kill Huey. And guess what? Even though Billy was like, no, I'm not going to go talk to him. Like you're, you know, basically telling Mother's Milk, like, just shut up, you know, like, that's not true. And it was true. <laughs> and um, I think he he is like the, I guess it's like a moral compass, right? Or, or something that if he were to let Huey die, that would not make him any different than Homelander, I guess, in his eyes. Ah, um, perfect. Yeah, so, I think that's right. Yeah. And so um, even though it's so funny, right, because they're the seven and they're supposed to be the superheroes that are saving people, but we know that's not true. And then like the fact that I even just said that is hilarious. Like it's such irony that Billy's the one that's trying to maintain some sort of like human, you know, like, like he couldn't let this kid die after everything, even though he gives him such a hard time. He doesn't want him to die like that without trying to save him. And I think, and I think he knows, and that's probably why, like you were asking me earlier and I guess I hadn't put it together, but I guess that's why he also would get his team back because in, in this way, he mother's milk, I think wouldn't have wanted to follow Billy if he had let Huey die. I think even if he pointed them all to where where they were, I think they all the team at this point would have tried to fight it. You know, they wouldn't, but they wouldn't have been mad at Billy for trying to save Huey, which I don't think they are. And so I think that actually was probably the thing that also got his team back in some ways. That all adds up into having a more cohesive boys team, even though they didn't meet their what they were trying to do and get their lives back. But at least they're not all heading off in different directions now. I think they'll be united. Yeah, because if you think in the earlier in the episode, Frenchie um, overheard Billy say, oh, I'll neutralize her. Uh, in reference to Kimiko, if if she tries to save her brother or turn on, you know, if they have to like when they were going to turn the brother in, in theory, and if she tried to like not let that happen, and Frenchie heard that and was like, "What the fuck?" Like I thought you're on our side, um, and so I think that would also by him trying to save Huey would show Frenchie that he wouldn't have done that probably, you know, like it was just kind of a front telling the Colonel that just to get what he wants, which is Becca. So I think that also redeemed him in Frenchie's eyes. I think that all adds up. I mean, episode four will will tell us for sure, but um, yeah, I think that, I think that all adds up. I agree with all that stuff. So let's finish up with the deep. In the first episode, we had suspected that there might've been some culty angle in the second episode we were pretty sure that there was because of the Church of the Collective workbook that we saw him working <laughs> on. And now we have not only the name of a church leader, Alistair, but we have Stormfront knowing all about it in, a, in her very cynical, you know, I know everything sort of way. Seems like she knows too much. <laughs> ah, maybe, perhaps. She's uh, not just a, maybe she's a convert or a, or like one of those Scientologists that got run off or, or something like that. Well, no, I think she's just like, like you said, she's Edgar's something. Well, at least now we know that there is someone else trying to pull the deep's strings to get him in the seven using some kind of intel that we're not aware of exactly how it got spilled to Alistair. 
Alistair then passes along to Carol, and Carol says, go do your thing over here, and that's your shot at getting back into the Seven. Not a bad yeah. idea. I mean, but it does give us a pretty good idea of the limitations of his powers. He is not Aquaman. No. Um, Aquaman is nearly as strong as Superman. It's just it's all underwater, underwater stuff that he can do, but he can do a lot of other stuff, whereas the Deep, he just breathes underwater and talks to fishes. That's that's what he does. <laughs> that's yeah. apparently what he does. Well, what did you also think of that? Um, the interaction with him and Homelander. That whole scene is it conjures a few different motion emotions at once, right? Where he reminds us of who he was and who he's kind of trying to transition out of being when he tries to make amends with Annie and is you know flat out rejected for all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it tells us at least on some level he's aware of that he's done wrong to people, whereas before he wouldn't let himself admit that. He might have known on some level, but he wouldn't admit that. So And so here he is trying, sort of like alcoholics on their whatever step it is where they got to go and make amends with people. That seemed to be kind of what he was doing. Yeah. So even though he was rejected we and, and he has, and, and there's good reason for that, it still gives us a little empathy for a guy trying to make amends. He did a very shitty thing. And sometimes you can't make amends for those things. And that may be where he's at with this. That's probably where he's, he's at yeah. with this. But at least he is trying. And then for that next moment to be like, hide your gills, they're ugly, or whatever Homelander said, it actually made us feel bad for the guy. At least it made me feel bad for the guy. Because yeah. he's trying, and then it doesn't matter. It's like the parents all over again, right? Like you just got all these superheroes just like, um, at least for the ones that it got affected for knowing about the V, you can't help but feel a little sorry for them. And I couldn't help but feeling a little sorry for the deep too, because it's just major body issues. (laughs) And then it's not only coming from, you understand at that moment that it's also more so from the leader. Like it probably was from Homelander who made him feel that way. Mm Mm-hmm. And that just like was a new, like a whole new thing. I mean, it doesn't justify anything he's done, but like, it's just, he's also suffered some sort of like emotional abuse as well, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, Years or whatever. It, it's, it's manipulative yeah. for us, the story watchers uh, to go through this because you realize that this person that you were set up to despise is actually you kind of worthy of your pity too. Yeah, I just feel sorry for him. I don't necessarily want to say I'm like it's like going to be redemptive in my eyes, but yeah, you can't you can't help but not feel sorry for him. I wasn't expecting to get that all from the deep, at least not all in one go, <laughs> like yeah. that. So uh, there's probably a lot more to go with him. We, I mean, I was calling him Theon in the last episode, <laughs> and and I know how how far Theon had to go. Uh, so. Um, I bet the deep still has quite a bit of mileage to to swim here, uh, <laughs> but uh, that was a very telling part of this episode and twisted my little deep centered emotions. Uh, I think the way that the storytellers intended. So good job, guys! Thanks. I know it's so good, so good. All right, so we have a couple other just you know things about a couple other characters that. Uh, we got a little bit of to learn about Kimiko. We just learned that she stopped talking. She wasn't born deaf or mute, 
or anything like that. I don't think she even is deaf, but she she stopped talking to parents the night her parents were killed. Yeah. That interesting factoid. Yeah, she came up with the language, the two of them, her brother and, and her, and just so it's it's not um any like official sign language because Frenchie was trying to learn. He's so cute because he loves her, wanted to communicate with her, but the brother was not having it. I wonder if that's going to come up. It has to come up later, I think, where maybe she'll, she will talk. Yeah, it'll be one of those gigantic moments because those those scenes are always pretty poignant whenever they have a character that is mute for some reason then that then they finally say their word it's always a big deal or maybe yeah. she won't you know maybe this isn't that kind of story but well like she didn't have besides the brother stuff i mean obviously she had the big fight with stormfront stormfront took her out and then killed her brother but like there's so many different arcs going on like revenge and, and you know uh, redemption possibly and all that and like hers at the very end, you see her looking at Stormfront on the TV and it's like, oof, that is like pure revenge, don't you think? Yes. On Kimiko's mind. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I hope that Kimiko has some more powers hidden in there because being stronger and uh, and more agile isn't going to cut it <laughs> against, <laughs> against Stormfront, I'm afraid. She's going to need something else in there. But uh, obviously, this is really uh, the kind of compelling superhero-centered television that I really enjoy. Um, on one hand, I kind of wish there was more of it because I like this so much, but then I'd be spoiled and then I might not like this as much as I do. So yeah. what am I to do? What am I to do? <laughs> yeah, I think I think they're doing well that there's only like a few of these kind of like very hardcore anti-not-your-Marvel DC heroes type thing. All right. Well, this has been our coverage for the opening night of the season two premiere of Amazon Prime's The Boys. Uh, it has been our pleasure to be here with you, uh, but we'll be back next week. Never fear. <laughs> and we'll keep covering your favorite characters, trying to figure out their motivations and what their dealios are as uh, fellow viewers, not experts on the source material. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and give us five stars for, you know, just, just for the effort, just, <laughs> just for the effort. Um, this has been Paul with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. And we will see you for episode four. Thank you very much. Or we'll hear you or you'll hear us. One of those. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.